So we spent the last two weeks talking about email marketing. We began with email marketing basics for beginners. And then last week, we talked about advanced email marketing strategies for those of you who've been doing email marketing for a while. And today, I'm answering some frequently asked questions about email marketing. And it's going to have a mixture of some beginner, intermediate, and advanced strategies kind of all mixed in. So the very first one that was asked is, and this has been asked quite often, is how big a deal is it to switch email marketing platforms later on? So a lot of people feel a lot of pressure to get it right the first time because they've heard what a nightmare it can be to move. And it can be like, it really can be a total nightmare, but it doesn't have to be. So let's talk about a couple of things that you can do to help yourself out. Now, the very first basic thing that you need to understand is that odds are at some point in time, you are going to want to switch email marketing platforms. And for those who've been doing this for a long time, there are probably a very select few people who have stuck with the same email marketing platform. But even those people have probably really thought long and hard about switching before and then ultimately made the decision not to switch. But the thing about it is, is that new platforms come on the market, they offer something better, cheaper, what have you, your list starts to grow. And so let's say you start out with ConvertKit and it was really inexpensive and it was a great option for you at the time, or you started out with something free like MailChimp and it was a really great option for you at the time. But then later on, you're like, you know what, this isn't meeting my needs anymore. And that makes a lot of sense. But I would personally say that just go ahead and tell yourself, I'm probably going to want to switch later on. Okay. And the reason for that is that in the very beginning, your needs for a brand new audience of five, 10, even 5,000 people is vastly different from what your needs are going to be when you have 10, 20,000 people, or maybe even more on your email list. And so you want to keep that in mind. What you want and what you need in the beginning is going to be different after you've gained some experience after you've learned what you need, what your audience needs, what they respond to, and once you've grown your audience. And so chances are you're going to want to switch. So here's a couple of things that you can do. Now, the low stress thing that you can do, okay? If you are like me and you just want to get the thing started, right? You just want to get the email marketing started and you don't want to have all of these other steps involved. The one of the things that you can do is just be mindful of how many different places you're putting your landing pages, how many different lead magnets you have, how many different opt-ins you have. So in other words, rather than building 10 different email opt-ins or 10 different freebies, right? Like having 10 different lead magnets to draw people in, rather than having 10 different landing pages for people to go to, just consolidate and pick a few while you build and just say to yourself, like, I'm going to be really strategic with the lead magnets that I choose and with the landing pages that I create, and I'm not going to have a whole bunch of them. The other thing to remember is that every place you put, if you build a landing page inside of your email marketing platform, like build a landing page in ConvertKit or MailChimp or you know, MailerLite or Flowdesk, any of those places, every single place where you put that link, you'll want to replace if you switch email 
marketing platforms. So the key thing is to remember that that's what's going to end up having to happen and be conservative with where you're placing them. This doesn't mean don't put your lead magnets out there. This doesn't mean don't advertise it. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means don't go Pinterest happy and create 20 different pins for 10 different landing pages. So then you have 200 pins out there that are all still leading and that you have to go change or make, you know, 300 different blog posts that go to 10 different, you know, do you know what I mean? Like just be conservative and be really mindful. And I think to me, if you have one, two, even three really high quality lead magnets that are getting people into your email list, that's really all that you need. You can switch them out if you want to. That's totally fine. It doesn't mean that you're stuck with that or anything like that, but just be mindful. And really, you only need a few. You don't need to change your lead magnet out each week. You don't have to have a new freebie of the month. Like you don't have to do any of those things. And in fact, I don't. I have one lead magnet that's bringing people into my math list right now. And that's really all I use. I use that same lead magnet for Facebook ads. I use the same magnet for my products on TPT, like my product insert pages on TPT. I use that same lead magnet for all of them, okay? If you want to do things quote unquote right, okay? Because I don't believe that there's like a right way to do things. The right way to do it is just to do it. (laughs) That's honestly what I believe. But if you have a website, the best thing to do if you have a website is build your landing pages in your website. And then that way, all of the links are the same. And you can just get your form. So you can create your form in ConvertKit or create your form in Flowdesk. And then if you ever decide to switch, you don't have to change all of the links. You just have to change the code for that form on your website. And so that would be the best thing. But I do understand that there are some people who are listening right now and they're like, okay, well, I'm out because I want to do this right. And I want to start my email, but I don't have a website. I don't know how to do any of these things that you're talking about. Listen. You, the right way to do things is truly just to get started. So don't feel overwhelmed and feel like you have to have all of those things like, oh, I have to have my website and I have to do this and I have to do that before I can start email marketing. It's not the case. I don't have a website. I still build all of my landing pages inside of Kartra, which is what I use for my email marketing. I use it for everything, but I still build all of my landing pages inside of Kartra not stressing about it, not worried, not worried about it. I have switched before from MailChimp to Kartra. I didn't find it incredibly challenging. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress about it. I would just get started, but just be mindful if you are not using your website to create your landing pages and you are using your email marketing platform to maybe not go crazy with all of the different links, all of the different landing pages and all the different lead magnets. Okay. The next question that I get asked is how often is too often for participating in collaborative events? So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the beginner episode. And anybody who's listened to me for any length of time knows I'm a real big fan of collaborative events. And But there is a point where you can do too many. You want to be really mindful of the fact that when you're doing a collaborative event or when you gain subscribers from a collab event, you're automatically sharing those subscribers with anybody who's participating in the collab event. So if it's five or six people, okay, you know, not the end of the world. 
if you're participating in a, a large collab event with like 30 people, which I do not recommend, by the way, for multiple reasons that we won't get into today, but I feel like I've talked about it in a previous podcast episode and probably gotten on that soapbox many times. But if you're participating with a lot of people, then you're automatically sharing all of those leads with that many people, right? And then every time you do another collab event, what's basically happening is your most engaged or the most engaged members of your audience are then going and joining other people's lists. So, and, and now it works the other way around too. Like their most engaged people are joining your list too, right? But that's basically what's happening. And so you're taking your very best people and you're sharing them with other people. So you automatically had them from the first collab event, shared them with five or six people. Now you're in another collab event, say five, six months later, even a year later, you're still taking them and you're sharing them with even more people. And so it's just something to be mindful of that you don't want the majority of your audience to be made up of people who are, I mean, long-term, right? Long-term. You don't want the majority of your audience to be made up of people who are already on 10, 12, 15 different lists. So just be really mindful of that. And I would say that the key here is twice a year, I think is more than enough. And if you're participating in more than two collab events a year, chances are you're not focusing on growing your email list in other ways. So we really need to grow our list by getting organic traffic. We need that from either people who are finding us from Pinterest, people who are finding us because they've purchased our products, people who are finding us because they follow us on social media or on YouTube, or maybe they listen to a podcast, right? So people who are coming to us organically and joining our email list organically, and then collaborative events, and then ads, right? So paid, paid, paid leads. You really want to diversify and make sure that you have all three coming in ultimately. So if I'm only focusing on being a part of collaborative events, I'm probably neglecting that organic traffic because it's a really quick dopamine rush. I feel really good about myself. I feel really accomplished if I participate in that event and I get a few hundred or a few thousand subscribers. But the organic stuff takes a lot, of, lot more time and a lot more effort on my part, but it's going to yield the best results because chances are I'm sharing those people with fewer sellers. Same for ads. They're, it's obviously more expensive. It's a little more time consuming than doing a collaborative, collaborative event in some ways. It requires a little bit more expertise, but I'm probably sharing those people or those leads are probably on fewer email lists. So it's kind of a trade. And so making sure that your list is well-rounded is really the key. But I would say Every six months is probably fine as long as you're focusing on growing your email list in other ways. And that's not the only way that you're growing your list. And then I would also say for sure, like the better thing to do would just be to really focus on making sure that that's really well-rounded and that you're growing it in all aspects. So another big question is, and this one comes from Shell, is besides emailing consistently, What's the key to making sales from your list? And I know that, and I'm not going to, I'm going to answer your question. So, but I don't want to gloss over that. She says, besides emailing consistently, I mean, honestly, you guys, that is probably 80% of it is emailing consistently. Buyers need to know who you are, what your products are, who you represent. They need to have that no like, and trust factor. They need to recognize you. They need to trust you. 
And if they are not hearing from you regularly, then that's not going to happen. And regularly is not once a month or once every two weeks. Regularly is them hearing from you every week and maybe even sometimes twice a week. So you really want to keep that in mind, that that consistency and it's long-term consistency. This is not like I'm going to do this for six months and yeah, you're going to see a difference after six months. I guarantee you. I guarantee that if you're not regularly emailing your list every single week, then if you email them for six months consistently, you're going to see a change. But I'm talking about like once you hit that like one year, two year, five year mark, you are really going to see a difference in what's happening in your email list when you've been emailing them consistently for that long. Okay. You know, sometimes the people at the top get a lot of hate. Like, oh, everybody's always talking about so and so, or everybody's always obsessed with so and so's materials, and my resources are just as good, and they've just cornered the market, or all this kind of stuff. But you have to remember that one of the things that a lot of these sellers have been doing, these sellers who are at the top on TPT, the ones who are, I hear people saying all the time, like taking all the business or whatever, which I don't believe in. You have to understand that these are people who have been doing this for five, 10 years right? These are people who've been doing this for a long time. And when you do something for a long time, it pays off because it's not just then who's most popular on Instagram or who has the podcast or who has the YouTube channel or who's the cutest or whatever. It's not just about that. It's really about word of mouth because what really gets teachers to follow, know, like, trust, and purchase is when somebody, a veteran teacher who's been in the industry, who's been in education for five, 10 plus years and knows about Deanna Jump or knows about, you know, Shelly Reese or knows about some of these other name sellers that says, oh, I really love this. That new teacher who hasn't been in education for very long and doesn't know who's popular, doesn't know anything, just knows that the veteran teacher recommends them. And so being consistent for a long time really pays off. Now, apart from consistency is selling, like you actually have to write sales emails. I'm talking about quick, short, to the point, go purchase this product right now kind of sales emails. I'm not talking about being the my pillow guy who's like, but wait, there's more. If you get this right now, like it's it doesn't have to be like an infomercial. But we are in the business of selling and we do need to make sales. So it's really great to see a Target commercial with all these cute kids running around in this adorable swimwear, eating their applesauce that they got from Target or whatever, their good and gather, whatever their brand is. It's really great to see that. That's kind of an awareness thing. Like I'm here, I'm building no like and trust, like I'm building a relationship with you. But when we get that targeted ad that says, you may like this shirt right here, or you may like these jeans, or you may like these school supplies, that's when we go and purchase, right? So it's really important to make sure that you are actually selling them on your product, letting them know what that resource is going to do for them, what it's going to do inside of their classroom. And you're sharing your firsthand experience with that. So making sure that you're writing those sales emails consistently is the key. Now, the other thing is, You have to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success with selling. 
I know a lot of people that are like, I'm writing sales emails, but then they feel like every sale email that they write, they have to follow it up with two freebies, right? Like, let me give you a free resource every single week. And then also I want you to purchase this thing, right? So you have to make sure that your buyers understand that you are going to be selling to them and that you are not just a freebie machine. You are not someone who's just there to pump out the free resources. You can give your subscribers valuable content without giving them free resources. But if I'm constantly just giving them free, 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 oh, now purchase something, they're not interested in that because they know something free is coming around the corner. So yes, give them goodies, provide value to them, but understand that you're not a freebie machine. Set that expectation for them. And by not giving them freebies all the time. And then those who are just freebie seekers, they'll fall off the list. You won't be paying for them. And then that's going to help set that expectation and make sure that the people who are on your list are there because they're actually interested in making purchases. Okay. So Emma asks, when should you think about, start thinking about setting up an email list? I don't think that there's ever a time that's like too soon. And and I would say that personalities definitely play a role in this. There are definitely people who are like, no, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And that's the only way that I know how to do things. And I've got to do it perfectly from the get go. And so it's definitely going to be a bigger venture for them to set up an email account, which, you know, everybody is different. I'm not that way. I don't recommend being that way. I think in a lot of ways, it will probably hold you back inside of your business. But I know there are a lot of successful business owners who have that same type of personality. So here's what I would say a good general rule of thumb for most people is have one product line complete. I have to have in order for email marketing to really benefit me, I actually have have to have products to sell them. So I don't want to just be emailing them about the same two products that are in my store every week. So I would say that Once you have one complete product line, go ahead, start building that email list. Start with some of those basic things that we talked about in that first email marketing episode a couple of weeks ago and get that out of the way, get that knocked out and then move on into your creating your second product line. I wouldn't spend a lot of time on this. If you only have 10, 20, 30 products in your store, I wouldn't be spending the bulk of your time on email marketing. I would definitely still be spending the bulk of my time on product creation, really filling those store shelves. But I think once you have that full product line, it's really time to start really thinking about how am I going to market this product line because it's extremely important to the success of your store that you have a way to market your resources. Another question that was asked, and this is more of an advanced question, is, is it possible to create a tripwire in your email for a TPT product, i.e. like offer them 80% off of something, but they only have 20 minutes to get it. So let me first start saying what a tripwire is. And we actually had Jenzea DeMartle on the podcast a couple of months ago, and she talked about tripwire ads. And a tripwire ad is basically where you have somebody sign up for one thing, like say a free resource to join your email list. And then as soon as they sign up, you immediately, like instead of sending them to a thank you page, you immediately send them to a page with a product advertisement. Like, oh, for a limited time, you got this freebie for a limited time. You can get the whole bundle for this price, right? So we can still do that with TPT. You just have to be aware that it's not going to be the same type of discount. You can't put a timestamp on it. You can't give them a coupon code or anything like that. But if you have your own website or you have a Shopify or you have something like that, then you can absolutely do that. And I would recommend it. So for sure with Shopify, 
but with but with TPT, you can do something a little bit simpler and just say for a limited time, instead of saying how long, for a limited time, you can grab the whole bundle at this discount and you don't have to say how long the discount is. I mean, a limited time could still be two years if you really wanted it to be. But yeah, like you could put, you could discount that and just put for a limited time on there if you really wanted to, or maybe every now and then you change out that deal so that it is a little bit more of a limited time offer. However you want to do that, you can definitely set up a tripwire ad or set up a tripwire campaign for your TPT products for those who sign up to join your email list. So let's talk about one other thing. One other question that I got was from Abby Allen and from Pavandeep, and that is, what are good click and open rates and how do I improve them, (laughs) right? So when we're talking about click-through rates and open rates, I think it's really subjective and there's not like a set rule across the industry. In the online marketing world, if your open rates are, say, above 35%, you're doing well. In our TPT world, I really like to see them aiming for 50% or above. With sometimes, you know, if you're in the high, mid to high 40s, I think that's, you're doing well too. But if you're regularly cleaning and printing your list and you're maintaining best practices for how you're acquiring your audience, I would say that you really want to see 50% and above on your open rates. And then on your click rates, it's also going to depend on what the offer is. Like, are you giving them a free resource? Are you sending them to a blog? What's that call to action? Or are you asking them to purchase a product and being really direct about that? So I would say for click rates, you should probably aim to average about 5% for a click rate is really good. But you're going to notice that if you're giving away freebies, then, you know, you're going to have a higher click rate on that. And if you're asking them to purchase a big product, it's going to be a lower click rate. And that's okay, but maybe average somewhere around 5%. And if you have 5% or above sending them to a paid product, then that's really amazing. And you're doing a really good job. If we're talking as long as they're purchasing, I mean, obviously, as long as they're purchasing on the other end, you could have the highest click rates in the world. And if people aren't actually buying them, then they're not doing you any good. But the the bigger thing is like whether or not those clicks are leading to a sale. But as to how to increase those, some one of the easiest ways to increase your open rates is going to be by doing two things. First, by making sure your list is clean, by cleaning your list regularly and making sure you're getting rid of people on your list who haven't opened your email in like 90 days. If they haven't opened an email in 90 days, you need to be sending them like a breakup sequence or something like that saying, hey, I noticed you haven't opened my emails. Are you still interested in being here? Or do you still want to be here? If so, click this button or do this thing. Asking them to open those emails, asking them to engage with your content to make sure that they actually still want to be there because you don't want people on your list who aren't opening your emails. It really helps your sender reputation. If everybody is opening your emails, the more people who are opening them and engaging with them, the better. And so for the long-term health of our email list, we want to prune those people off, but also we really want to get an accurate idea of how well our content is performing. And it's kind of hard to know, like, is my click rate low or my open rate low? Because I'm not doing part two, which is writing catchy subject lines or eye-catching subject lines. Is is it my subject lines that are underperforming or is it just the fact that I need to clean my list, right? So just keep your list clean. And then 
write those catchy subject lines. So spend time actually thinking about what you're going to put in that subject line. A couple of things that I've done that's really helped me, I've noticed, is to be niche specific oftentimes. I think sometimes people see something and it it looks clever, but it kind of looks like clickbait and they don't know if it's relevant to them. So making sure most of the time, like if I don't put something niche specific in the subject line, I'll put it in the preview text so that they can see that it is relevant specifically to them as, say, a math teacher or as a teacher author. And then the other thing would be to make sure that you're not being clickbaity, right? So if your audience gets used to seeing something really catchy and interesting and intriguing, and then they open their email up and it has nothing to do with what's on the outside, nothing to do with the subject line that caught their attention, then they're probably going to be turned off and not really want to open it anymore. There are a couple of sellers that I know that do the whole RE like reply and then their subject line. I don't recommend that it's super clickbaity because it makes you think like, oh, I'm going to open this because somebody's replying to something I sent them. And then you open it and realize, no, they're not. They're just pretending like they're replying to something I sent them or like doing the forward thing. Like somebody's forwarded you something interesting. And when you do that, it just kind of comes across as spammy. So just making sure that even in trying to be catchy and trying to get people's attention and getting them to open your email, that you're, you're being honest is really important. So that will that can help you increase your open rate. As far as your click rate, writing copy, like making sure that the thing that you're offering to people, you're telling them why they should want it. And you're making sure that you're speaking directly to them and to their needs. That goes a long way. Also putting your link in multiple times in multiple places. So rather than just putting a link, one link down at the bottom, link any images that you put inside, link the text, like anywhere I say partner pack, I'm going to link that, giving them multiple places to click so that if they don't want to scroll the way down, if they just want to click immediately, that they can do that. That can help your click rate rate a lot too. All right, you guys. Well, that hits not all of the questions, but it hits most of the really big, frequently asked questions for email marketing. I hope that it was helpful for you guys. If you have more questions, you can leave them down in the comments below, or you can find your way inside of the Facebook group and you can ask the group in there. We have well over 4,000 teachers, paid teacher authors who are eager and willing to help each other and to throw out and share really great ideas. So make sure that you're taking advantage of that. And I will see you guys right back here next week. If you want to learn more and grow more with me, then you can find me inside of Rebranded Teacher Academy. Rebranded Teacher Academy is a low cost monthly membership that gives you access to my entire course and content catalog from courses for brand new TPT sellers like Selling 101 to more advanced sellers inside of Strategic Growth, Ditch the Overwhelm, a quick start library where you can pick any topic that you would like to learn more about, watch a short video, and then immediately implement what you learned with a corresponding workbook. But what RTA members tend to love most are the monthly challenge and strategy sessions where every single month I give you step-by-step strategies that you can implement inside of your business in the form of a fun monthly challenge that helps you move your business forward every single month. If you want to learn more about Rebranded Teacher Academy and how you can become a member, You can find more about that down inside of the description. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love if you would share about it on social media and help other TPT sellers find it too. I'll see you right here next week.